Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bays. I am a content creator, CrossFit L2 trainer, nutrition advisor, and sober alcoholic. I created this podcast to share inspiring stories of people and information I'm learning in hopes that sharing our experiences will inspire us all to grow, learn, and change. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Hello, and today I have the producer of the podcast with me, Yash. So thank you for being here. And we are actually going to flip the script in a lot of other episodes. I'm going to be interviewing other people and having conversations with them about their lives and their experiences. And so Yash and I are flipping it and he's going to do that with me so that those of you that do not know me can get to know me a little better. So hello. Welcome, Yash. (laughs) Thanks, Claire. I'm excited for this. Love the concept, being able to share your story since you're going to now give the platform for sharing a lot of other people's stories. So might as well start off with you. Yeah, I got to meet you about a month ago and it's been amazing getting to know you. And I think now it's a good part for me to probably find out more of your story and let others delve more into it as well. I feel that something that has been recurring in our conversations has been just the environments that we find ourselves in Mm -hmm. and what we do to adapt to it, grow from it. So I kind of want to just go back in time and want to learn about Claire's environments growing up. Is there certain parts of middle school, high school that you feel are like imprinted on you that really lasted towards creating the identity that you currently carry? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if we take it all the way back, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, Shawnee, Oklahoma, and I spent the first 18 years of my life in that town. And then I moved out. I moved out of my parents' home when I was 17, but moved out of Shawnee when I think I was either 18 or 19 whenever I moved away, just 45 minutes away for the next 12 years of my life. But anyway, so growing up, I grew up in a smaller town and it was about 45 minutes from Oklahoma City. There was one high school. My parents were both full-time workers. With my parents, they worked long hours. They worked hard. And whenever I was really young, I would say we were very lower middle class. And then by the time that I was like in high school, I at least wasn't wearing like name brand things or anything like that, but it, like you didn't really notice as much. And so anyway, I think all of our experiences shape who we are for sure. And I'm no exception to that. And so my grandmother had the largest hand in raising me and we'll get to more of that later. So I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's home. And then I spent a lot of time just out in the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, I was just one of the neighborhood kids come home around whenever it gets dark. And so from the time I could waddle out that door is what I feel like I was just out there goofing around <laughs> And so I didn't play any sports growing up. I was not involved in those type of extracurriculars that that a lot of kids maybe are. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. So that, of course, played in. And then by the time I was 14, I had my first job. By the time I had, I was six, the day I turned 16, I got my first like legit job that you're allowed to have because you're 16 and can do that. And so I think all of those things play into who I am today. You know, the role that my grandmother played in my life and who she was as a person is so much of who I feel that I am today. And then my experiences with not having played sports and and has gotten further into life also 
my father was morbidly obese my whole life. He was between 350 and 400 pounds. He has since had open heart surgery and insulin dependent diabetic. And so he is now a lot smaller because of those factors. My sister, who has given me total approval to speak about it, but she was also morbidly obese from a very young age. Like we were in elementary school and she was being chased around being called Godzilla. And so all of those experiences, I mean, every experience we have, those were my family's experiences. And I was not, my struggles with my own weight didn't start to occur until I was an adult. Was around very close proximity to people who really struggled with that and really just wanted to hide because so often I feel like she just didn't want to be seen thanks to those experiences. So anyway, we can go through all the, the number of different things with that, but all of those factors, the working when I was 16 and so on to get my first phone or to, to get a car or to do anything, that's always been in business as we dive further into my story. You'll see that from the very beginning when it comes to success in business or in that capacity. It's never been something I've ever been worried about. I've always operated from this mindset in that setting of if you're hungry, you'll eat because I have work ethic and I know that I will work hard and I will get it done and I will provide for myself because I started doing that from a very young age. I moved out on my own when I was 17. Like those are things, but you take those same principles and apply those to athletic ability or anything like that. And that came much later. My belief in myself in any of those areas came much later in life, uh, whereas in that capacity, it was it just had to be ingrained. It wasn't really an option to not. Wow, there's a lot to unpack in there. Sorry. No, that's great. <laughs> I was going to state now, I feel if someone was to walk up to Claire, they would A, be greeted with enthusiasm and- um, I do be loving people. <laughs> yeah, a lot. And it's amazing. Gratitude, I think, is a huge part of how you express yourself. And then I would say that you're probably one of the most fit people around in this town of fit people. Stop. Now, no. Um, and oh my God. So it was shocking to me when you said that you played no sports yeah. in high school. And then you delved into the environments of, you know, the story with your dad, your sister. What was, I suppose, your first foray starting point where you were like, fitness is now like a part of my identity? And I want to make this part of who I am so then I can change myself, this inner person that you struggled with. Yeah. And then hopefully go down the road and see what other impact you could have from it. Yeah. Thank you for everything you said, for starters. I just yeah. like that is so exciting to me. And you mentioned the whole enthusiasm, which is so real. I just, I feel grateful. So then you say the gratitude thing. And, and I have to just know, I think that gratitude is literally the cheat code, like the cheat code to life, in my opinion is practicing gratitude. And if we think about the simplicity of the action of practicing gratitude, it is simple. It is something you have to be mindful and intentional about as is just anything that you choose to do in life, but practicing gratitude. And so for me, what that looks like is writing a simple five things every day that I'm grateful for. I feel like with how much I've gotten to know about you, that doesn't surprise me at all because you operate from that place as well. And so then yet again, that was something I learned much later in life. But what a tool and what a simple tool to implement and its profound effect on your quality of life is just like so cool. So anyway, sorry to tangent off there. <laughs> I'd be doing that. So I move out of my parents' home when I'm 17 and I get a job as a waitress at a new place. I worked at IHOP actually. 
and I was working there. And so my lifestyle just became more sedentary because I never really struggled with my weight growing up because I was always just out and about doing stuff. Now, I will say that if I were to define myself as a kid growing up, I was rebellious and I was reckless, but I wasn't ever like hurting anyone. I may have been doing some damage to myself, but I wasn't hurting others. Right. So I kind of just skated by not really being noticed that much that I was doing those things. But anyway, so I was an active kid as far as I was out going and doing stuff. So once I moved out, got a job, and then my life became more sedentary and I grew up on fried food. And so I was still eating what I always ate and I started to gain weight. And I saw what that did to my family and to my friends and how much it impacted their lives. And I didn't have the awareness to understand much about that. I just knew I didn't want it. I just knew I wanted to fight it. And nutrition wasn't a word we said. (laughs) And it wasn't even a part of our vocabulary. So much less fitness or going to the gym or anything like that. So all of those things were things I started to learn. So I went to nutrition first. There was just a shop in town that sold shakes, right? And so I went in and next thing you know, I follow their prescription, two shakes a day and a meal and I lose weight. And then everybody's complimenting how great I look. And I feel like I'm just rocking it, right? And so actually for fitness, I mean, if we kind of, if we follow the right chain of events, the gym didn't come till later. And so I was just looking to not be obese. I mean, it was just that simple. I just really didn't want to do that. And so what I found first was a supplement company that did shakes and other things. So anyway, in true Claire fashion, I bought in immediately, then decided that I was going to open my own shop. And at 18 years old, I got a bank to loan me money and I opened a shop selling those supplements. And I had it for one year. And then I sold my half to the girl that I convinced to drop out of college to open the shop with me. Spoiler alert, she's still there today. It is in a new location by a new name and it is thriving and she's doing an amazing job with it. And so all in all, totally worked out for everyone. But you'll notice the trend with me that once I make a decision, I'm pretty like, all in. in. (laughs) So full set. So yeah. So anyway, I start selling the shakes and I'm But what happened there for me is that I hadn't yet figured out really the tools and resources to consistently live a healthy lifestyle. I just got excited about the fact that I made progress the direction I was trying to head and started to learn what protein was or, you know, I mean, anything. But I hadn't yet really figured out how to regulate that and how to consistently be healthy. And so I was just either doing the weight loss track or I was binge eating. And then bulimia came in. And so there's been those experiences as well of navigating disordered eating today. And so anyway, the gym itself, I didn't start going consistently to the gym until years later. And then it really, as far as if you want to talk about like athletic identity, like as far as identifying as an athlete or being known as someone who is like a fit person, that didn't start until 2020. So in 2020, I would have been 28 years old. So that's 10 years into my journey. If you look at, I started all of that at 18 years old, 10 years down the road was when I finally started to believe in myself athletically. And by that point, I had been a member of a gym, a CrossFit gym for six or for four years. Wow. I'm so glad that you brought up the time frame, the scope of it, because I think a lot of people lose sight per se, where they feel that I have done some time and I'm expecting a certain something. And 10 years is is a good amount of time for you to say, I finally found myself after 10 years. And 
for a someone who feels like I have to completely change my page in my personal story of my life, that page might not turn as quickly as someone wants it to. Your story right there is like a huge aspect of like being able to show that it's just trying and writing down everything and just going with it and seeing when that page is going to flip. For someone now who feels in that, I'm sure someone resonated with what you've just shared. If you were to take those 10 years and say, hey, I can take 10 years and try and simplify it for someone else to not go through 10 years, what would be some things for that person who started off in the associated path that you are at and now trying to crawl their way out of it? To condense that 10 year time frame, I mean, I think that there's just so much. I think the thing is, like, unfortunately, like we have to bump into walls to figure out that we're there, like a lot, that they exist. And so for me, it was just, I'm, I am so like all in on whatever it is. And so then as a result, if that wasn't necessarily the most sustainable route, then I have this like boomerang effect back the other direction. And so that was largely what I saw play out with my binge eating was I was just all in on what I thought was perfect. And so I didn't have the awareness of what eating healthy really looked like. And so it was to me, it was either the less you eat, the better you are. Right. And so now to have the awareness that no, 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 that's not true at all. And that actually we need to eat to fuel ourselves and like hunger. It means that we need food because food is fuel. And so I think it's really hard to unpack that in a very concise manner But just a lot of it has been giving myself grace and understanding that I'm human and imperfect. And I remember early on in that journey with nutrition and and for many years, honestly, it was like, if you did bad, then you punish yourself and it's this compounding effect. And next thing you know, you've not gone to the gym for weeks or months or something because you're ashamed. And when at the end of the day, everyone else there is really concerned with themselves, not you. (laughs) And so- I think there's so much that we can learn on that journey, but giving yourself grace, knowing that you're going to be imperfect, you're going to be imperfect forever. Like you're just literally never going to get it just right all the time because you're a human and you navigate life with emotions and there's stuff that happens and there's stress. And so it's simply, how can I maybe bump into those walls less, right? Like if we are like looking at this, like balancing beam or whatever, like we're never just going to like perfectly walk down it. Or if you do, that's amazing. It's just not my experience. (laughs) And so Anyway, I think if I were to condense the amount of time, it would just be giving myself more grace and understanding better that you do need food in order to exist in life. And so doing less isn't always better. Yeah, I think you said this earlier in the conversation you mentioned from a business aspiration aspect. I think the quote that you used was, I'm never going to go hungry. If you're hungry, you'll eat. If you're hungry, you'll eat. Mm -hmm. So I think the same thing here, I think applies if you're hungry, you're going to eat like what I've picked up from knowing you is you choose to move every day. And that movement, in essence, puts you in the position to create more hunger. And then you use food to fuel yourself and all that. So one of the things that you brought up was bumps along the road. And you talk about on your page and just sharing stuff about being a sober alcoholic. I feel like those were some bumps and bruises that you took along the road in this journey to where you are now. Would you love to delve into that a bit? I would love to. (laughs) Thank you for asking about that. There are many things that I have learned in my life that have impacted my quality of life. And the thing that has impacted my quality of life the most significantly is recognizing and understanding that I'm an alcoholic. 
So if we go down that road, I started binge blackout drinking at age 13. And when you're a kid in a small town where people party, like you just party, right? And it was totally normal. And at that young age, it's fun. Like, oh, we're having a good time. Like we're going to the parties. Like we're, I was just having fun with it. And there weren't many repercussions for my actions with it at that time. And alcoholism was not a topic in my household. And so I wasn't aware of what that looks like, I guess, because my parents didn't really drink ever. And my grandmother never had a sip of alcohol and never allowed it to be in her home because many of her family members were alcoholics. So when I start to look at my family a little bit further out, alcoholism is actually very present, but it wasn't in my little bubble, right? And so I told my parents at 14 that I was drinking. I told my parents at 16 I was never going to stop and they could do whatever they wanted and I would never stop. It was always a part of my life and I did not realize the damage that I would do in my own life with my relationship with alcohol. So I think everybody's experience is different and many people are able to drink and be totally fine and that's great. That just wasn't my experience. Anyway, as you go on further and further into adulthood, there were certainly many experiences that I would have that would events that would occur that would make me question my relationship with alcohol. But my surroundings were really conducive to it. Like it was just, I mean, I managed a bar for years and that was fun. <laughs> so I was around social drinking. I always was from such a young age and it was just normal. So mind you, Things would occur in my life and I would go, you'd wake up and not remember, which was very normal. And that's something that's also just been so interesting to look back now as a sober person and recognize that like I would regularly have conversations with people and just be like, yeah, I don't remember that at all. And that was so normal. And I don't know why it never clicked that like, wait a second, forgetting entire amounts of time, forgetting days, like that's not normal. But it was to me, and I just didn't, I didn't even blink when I said it. I didn't even think twice about it. It was my life. So there were years in my adult life where it ebbed and flowed and where it was sometimes more present than others. And, and that was largely based on whatever my surroundings were, right? You know, if you're around people who are partying pretty hard, you're partying pretty hard. But I remember when I got sober, which was April 26th of last year, by the way, my friends, a number of my friends said at that time, they were like, we don't understand. You're not an alcoholic. Like, you don't really need to, like, get sober. Maybe you need to, like, chill out with this because, of course, the event that occurred that got me sober was pretty traumatic. <laughs> and one of them, I remember, was saying, you don't even drink on Wednesday wine night. Like, you don't even – and I'm like, yeah, I don't drink on wine Wednesday because I've learned that, like, once I take a drink, you have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know where the night's going to take me. I am not reliable. So I had just gotten to a place where I didn't trust myself. And I didn't realize that I hadn't been able to trust myself – in a long time. Anyway, the sobriety journey, of course, over the last year and handful of months has been just like an absolute miracle. And it's a big, big passion project of mine to be able to talk about sobriety. Because if you are somebody who questions your relationship with alcohol, you get to make that decision. And as to whether or not it's something that you need to say goodbye to or not. And I remember at the time when I did get sober thinking, I've only ever known a life with this. I don't know if I'm capable, but I know that if I don't do it, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything. And that's a scary place to be. And the friend of mine that showed up with me whenever I knew she was a part of a recovery program, and I reached out to her and said, I need to meet with you. I really think I need help with this. I don't think I can keep drinking and I don't think I can stop. And she said, she gave me some literature to help me. And she just said, 
if you never want to drink again, you don't have to. And if you leave right here right now and go have a drink, I love you anyway. And that'll stick with me forever. And she's been sober 13 years and has been such a light in that experience for me. But anyway, yeah, it's a big and we can kind of draw back to the event that got me sober and what that looks like or wherever you want to head from there. But yeah, that's definitely a big, big part of my story because I spent many, many years doing a lot of damage in my life with my relationship with alcohol and not recognizing it. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I think Viktor Frankl, I believe, was the one who spoke to this. A lot of people end up finding their purpose through their pain. And now, as you said, a passion project feels like a mission where you tend to share about this life that's plentiful around you. Because it is. <laughs> it is. It is. And you talked about April 26th. Congrats. 2021 being the yeah. day. So that's my mom's birthday. <laughs> it is? Yes. That's a great birthday gift. <laughs> She's pretty happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, I showed up on that day in 2021. It was not good. So it's been about a year and some change. And I would love to know, since that was 15 years of your life, about half of your life, yeah, it's consumed you. And suddenly you close this chapter. I'm sure once you close a door, new doors open up. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> when we last spoke, we talked about how your progression into the world of business mixed with CrossFit just has skyrocketed in essence. What are some doors that you didn't see even in front of you, April 26, 2021, and now you're like, I have opened this door and I'm all the way in. Could you tell me like your visit to the CrossFit Games this year? Because it seems like that's a door that widely open for you. Yeah. I think that the best way to describe that specific experience, by the way, is just like, reality feels surreal. Like I don't know what else to say other than that. I look at the rooms that I get to be in and the people I get to speak to. And I just like have a very hard time wrapping my brain around it. <laughs> and I of course feel so much gratitude for all of it. What I want to say is like, I don't deserve to be here, but that's not true. And I have to stop myself from that and recognize that I have done the work that gets to be the person that gets to be in that room. And I can feel full of gratitude for it and do the best that I can do with it but that the work is being done. So yet again, I'm going to back up just a second because with the whole sobriety thing, my grandmother passed away in February of 2021. And that was the moment where I turned to substances and said, I don't want to feel. And so that's where things really flipped of the week that she passed. I did all of the things. I wrote the obituary. I clothed her. I did all the things, right? So that first week was spent just doing stuff because I'm a doer. And so I just did stuff. And then once it was all done, then I had to deal with myself and I, I was not willing to do that. And so I ran to substances and I very clearly, very distinctly said, like, I don't want to feel things. And my actions did exactly that. So over the course of the next couple of months, it was destructive enough that I got myself into a situation where I was being woken up to someone had broken into the home that I was in and I was being physically attacked and I didn't know how I had gotten there, but it didn't matter. My actions had gotten me there. Whether I recall specifically how I arrived at that point or not is irrelevant. And that was the moment that it took for me to go. I had had many situations which were not okay where I didn't remember how I got there, right? But that one was publicly humiliating as well because there were screen recordings of the event that had been shared to hundreds of people. And so all of a sudden, hundreds of people that I knew were spectating this really low moment for me. And all I could do is look at it. And I want to be abundantly clear with that and say that like it took that level of shame and humiliation 
for me to recognize that it was my actions that got me in that room and that I had control over those. And I was the only one that was going to be able to do anything about that. So I will forever have gratitude for that situation because that's what it took to get me sober. So I'm thankful that that occurred. It hurt, but I needed to hurt to recognize that I needed to change. And so often I talk to people about this type of stuff, trauma and grief and so on. And it's like our individual experiences are individually ours, right? Like whatever occurred in my life is special to me, but the emotions that I have to experience after that event are something we can all relate on. And so even though whatever it is that has occurred in your life is different than what has occurred in mine, we can relate on how we feel afterwards and how we navigate it moving forward. So anyway, I like to touch on that because that's how we got to sobriety. And so then in the first 90 days of sobriety, I felt really confused. I did not know what rooms to be in. I did not feel comfortable. I felt tired. I felt hungry at social events. I felt lost. I felt like I needed to overstay because I was so used to being the person that would be there to provide the fun as long as you wanted the fun to be there. And so I still need to be fun. And what I've come to know now is I'm a freaking riot. <laughs> I have a great time sober. And if you don't like it, oh, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be weird with me. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, life is so much more beautiful today without it. So anyway, I do want to, sorry, I want to yeah. touch on that. The lowest point that you talked about. I mean, I, the lowest point has its positive because there is no other place to go. But when you made it to that lowest point, you've mentioned your friend who imparted that one quote on you that is going to now hold on to for life. Yeah. I'm sure along the way you've built another support system that played a huge part in getting to the place you are in. It is your own internal actions at the end of the day that is going to move the needle forward, but having support systems help. What were some of the support systems that you were like, I need these systems to make sure that I don't go back into these habit patterns that I had in the past when I, as you had mentioned, I've had these thoughts, I wanna exit, and people have thoughts about, I want to do something, I want to get rid of something, but get back into this habit loop, et cetera, of not being able to a, accomplish something or get rid of something because they don't necessarily have certain systems in place. Yeah. So this time around, it feels that you were able to incorporate better systems. What, what were some of the systems that you added into your life that helped along this journey for you? Yeah, I so appreciate you asking that question. Guys, this is why I have Josh doing this. He's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Just helping me navigate this conversation, the direction I actually want it to head. Thank you. So. Community is everything. I mean, the quote that you hear all the time that is, it's almost cliche, but it's so true is just, you know, you are the sum of the five closest to you. You're the sum of the people that you're surrounded by. And that is so real. And so in that moment, I had to take a look at my surroundings and recognize that I had created a very unhealthy environment. And so yet again, I had to do an inventory and like a hard one. And it was like a mass exodus. And so not only was I grieving the loss of my grandmother now because I'm sober and I have to feel things, but now I'm grieving the loss of many, many relationships because those relationships cannot really survive in an environment that is the life that I'm trying to build now, right? So with that, I did immediately go and seek. And that's something I feel grateful for the fact that in anything in life with the nutrition, with the fitness stuff, with the whatever, I'm very open to incoming information. I will say a quote that my grandmother lived by that I plan to live by is just that a key to a vital life is 
an eagerness to learn and a willingness to change. And so with that in mind, I knew that I needed help. I knew that if I was going to stop doing all this stuff I had done before, like I was going to have to enlist the troops and I didn't know where the troops were, but I needed to go find them. And so, yes, I would say that that community is a huge, huge part of that. And so I did, I sought out a sober community locally and I became just immersed in it. And being a part of a sober community today is still a very big part of my life. And for anyone who is listening, if you want to find me on social media, if this is something you want to talk further about, I want to talk to you more about it because it is essential in my opinion to that journey. And so, yes, I got a therapist and that woman is amazing and I love her dearly and I still have a relationship with her today. And I'm a huge advocate of therapy. So I had that. I also had a mother and father that thankfully were very supportive. So they're a big part of my life and they were super supportive and are today of this. And then other than that, I just really, I found a recovery program, a 12 step program to get involved in. And I went all in because I knew that like, if I was going to try to live a life different way, I was going to need help. And then since then it's just compounded. And now because of the person that I've had the opportunity to get to become and am becoming, I get to meet more and more people like yourself who like align with me. But that's a journey that at the beginning is just like literally so muddy and like just disorienting. And then as you get further along and further in now, it's so much easier for me to find people who support this version of me. Yeah. And I think that you moving to Austin aligns with part of that. It feels like this town allows for the meeting of people and the more options of someone being in a passion field that you were like, Hey, I've got this completely different passion. That's part of me. And I can go seek it out because this town is like vibrant of all of the different energies. So I wanted to go back now and know that a huge part of you is the CrossFit space and the conversations that you've brought out of people in that space through life as well. What were some cool things that happened at the CrossFit games for you that were like takeaways that you went there seeking the games, but you walked away with what you mentioned, the quote about the eagerness to learn and the ability to change. Was there something that you took from there? Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say last year's games and this year's games to to just bookend that. So I have been a practitioner of CrossFit for over six years. So over six years ago, I joined a CrossFit affiliate. And the reason I joined the affiliate was because I simply saw that these people had a quality of life that I wanted. It was, I was doing an obstacle course race with some coworkers. And so I was like, well, I don't do cardio ever and they'll make me do cardio. So I guess I'll go there. And then I wound up sticking. And then it took years of going there to finally start to actually become more capable, but I kept showing up. And so that's just with CrossFit. I love the community aspect of it. I love that having a coach to oversee your movement patterns so they can actually help you improve. I think that CrossFit is such a unique thing and I encourage anyone who's interested to give it a try. So last year was the first time I attended the CrossFit Games. So 2021 CrossFit Games, I was right around six months sober at that time. And so I had started to be doing the work to become that person, right? And so I was going to go because I was going to go spectate it. There was a one of the, like my home affiliates back in Oklahoma had a team that was going. And so I was going to go spectate, but I like to work. So I had heard that a company that was there was going to be having potential travel restriction problems. They're based in London. And so they were needed to have a big presence at the games. And so I just sent some obscure emails and simply said, 
hey guys, I don't know if you'll like need it, but I'm going to be at the games. I'd be down to work if you need it on your stand. And then I just waited a few days and sent it again. Like it hadn't been received. And then about a week before the games, I got contacted by their events manager who said, hey, are you still available? So I worked at WIT on the stand as a retail worker for them at the CrossFit Games last year. And then I had the opportunity to work at Rogue Invitational and at Wadapalooza and a number of different events for them. And then I actually went and did this whole brand awareness tour for a couple of months over the summer this year for them as well. So that's kind of where I came into the CrossFit community at large and had the luxury of getting to like work with this brand. In January of this year, Wadapalooza in Miami, the founder of that company asked me to start to create content online. And he was like, yeah, if you could just create some like real TikTok friendly content. I did not do that prior to that. <laughs> and I had just learned how to like create a reel not long before that. And so I was like, okay, I'll try. And it went really well. Like it went super well. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, more and more doors started to open through that. Like this really unique thing with social media where it like introduces you before you walk in the room. And it's so cool. And it's something that I don't know that I would have done for myself. So like I have yet again, so much gratitude for that ask because it helped me to start to build what is now this personal brand that we're building. So yeah, social media introduces you before you enter the room, which is just such like a cool thing. And so anyway, I, I worked those events for that company. And I did the brand awareness endeavor and, and all of that. And anyway, so then this year I go back to the CrossFit games one year after my first CrossFit games experience. And this time I am recording podcast episodes for my new podcast. And I am getting to do just like some vlogging and some fun stuff. And right before I went out, I got to do a whole day in the life situation and podcast episode with Derek Wyda, who is a CrossFit adaptive athlete. Anyway, just to look at the companies that I've had the opportunity to work with and I'm growing relationships with today and the people that I get to be around. So with the games to just like summarize that experience of all of that intentional work that we've been putting in, like in the past year and some change of being sober, so much of like, there's just so much to it, but it's been learning who am I? What are my values? Like my own values. Because one of the beautiful things that occurred with that shameful, humiliating experience is I had to all of a sudden wake up one day and recognize that my North Star being how you think about me doesn't work. And so it was, wait a second, Claire, what do you think? And unfortunately, we had gotten to a place where what I thought was pretty bad <laughs> and rightfully so. And so then it was just a ton of intentional work of getting to know myself and what are my values and do my actions align with my values. And so becoming that person that I'm still learning to become and, you know, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff, but I'm just a student of life and eager to learn how to navigate this thing more peacefully and hopefully inspire some other people along the way. But yeah, so the games was just, it's also, I have to touch on, it's just so cool to be able to watch those athletes in real life. What they are capable of doing is absolutely remarkable. And so getting to see them up close as much as like now it's so surreal that a handful of them are like my friends <laughs> and a lot of people within the space that are like the people within the space are like truly friends of mine today, which is just so crazy. But yeah, I just feel excited to see where this all heads and to be able to shed light more on how much that functional fitness community has impacted my quality of life. And maybe it can inspire some other people to 
get involved in that for themselves. Yeah, most definitely. I, I like how you said that social media like kind of opens the door for you prior to you even actually going through the door. And I think that social media, like as you mentioned with and whatnot, you started working at the age of 14, which is incredible. <laughs> and <laughs> that's a very young age. I, I'm trying to think what my first job, I think around like 16, 17, but yeah. 14, you were going. So now I feel that you are juggle a lot of things on your plate. What are you up to currently? What is one of the few of the things that you're doing? Yeah, this is such a fun question because I, when people ask me what I do today, I'm like, um, hold on. (laughs) And so what I feel like at this time is I'm a content creator. And so what that looks like, how that takes shape over time, we'll see. But I am excited to help brands build that are uh, things that I'm passionate about, brands that exist in spaces that are doing meaningful work to be able to work with them is something I'm excited about. And then this podcast is something I am like over the moon excited about because I love having meaningful conversations with people. And so the idea that I'm going to be able to have the opportunity and have already had the opportunity to have these real impactful conversations with other people who are doing meaningful work, what a gift. And so to be able to share that in this way, uh, it's just really cool. So we're building out podcast content. We are also building out YouTube content. And so much of the driving force behind that yet again is just sharing some of my life, having a good time. Because by the way, I also said when I started to create content, I was like, I'm looping them in with this whole like funny thing. Cause like, guys, I'm kind of funny, <laughs> but like sometimes, but then we're going to talk about stuff that matters. Like I'll get you here cause I'll make you laugh. But once you're here now we're going to think. <laughs> and so that's kind of <laughs> best way to do it. Hopefully. So yeah, I mean, what am I up to today is really just kind of, it's all new. And I was a residential real estate agent back home until this year. And I had been in real estate for over six years and did really, really well with that. And whenever I was prompted with the opportunity to move and to go do something different, I was not looking to leave. And so it kind of blindsided me and took me a second. And I was like, I like my job. I'm pretty comfortable with it. And I thought, ah, (laughs) You're not really a comfortable kind of girl. So here we go. (laughs) So yeah, as far as what I'm up to today, it really is just finding, utilizing these platforms of social media, of YouTube, of podcast, of Instagram, of we're working on it on TikTok. I'm trying to do better. (laughs) But just building out these platforms to hopefully do meaningful, impactful work to just inspire other people through my own experiences and through sharing experiences of other people who have navigated life and learned some things along the way. I feel that one of the things that you have shared with me today is that you work along as part of this first form of greens drink. <laughs> yeah. uh, this has been a very delicious drink to have throughout this conversation. Isn't that another thing that you uh, work on? Yeah. So I actually started to follow along with that brand about eight years ago. They did their first like athlete search and it's a nutritional supplement company who also does other things at this time. They're actually really growing and it's a really cool thing, but they did their first like athlete search back eight years ago. And so the girl that they, that won that time was Jenna Fail. So I started to follow her. And then soon after that, about seven years ago, Derek Wyda comes on and I start following him, which there will be an episode here in this that, that is with him and he's amazing. So anyway, I started to follow along with that brand. I also consumed my first supplement of theirs. It was their megawatt, their like 1.0 version. And I think the flavor was like knuckle sandwich or something. And either way, it was not good, but I loved the effects of it. I was like, wow, this is actually like a good product. So I would just do the whole, like throw the powder back thing. 
Anyway, they have since then over the last eight years developed out this brand and really done what feels like meaningful work. And I've so appreciated just watching them from afar and seeing them sponsor these athletes and then walk through these athletes' lives through the ups and downs and stand by them. And the CEO of the company also does this program 75 hard, which is 75 days straight of a number of different actions. I had the opportunity to do that last year and did it. And it was a really cool experience, especially as a newly sober person, I needed something to occupy my energy and it did a good job of that. And so anyway, that's just a company that I have watched from afar, consumed their supplements for a number of years, always supported their mission. But at the time years ago, I just wasn't the person that would attract the brand. I wasn't that person. And so today I'm growing a relationship there and I do get the opportunity to coach people through their app with their nutrition. And so we talk about what macros are and how we can be. We take a look at life from a holistic approach of what is our stress? What is our sleep? Because all those factors are going to come into play when it comes to what we're eating. And and if we're not proactive with our diet, then we're going to be reactive. And that's probably not going to work in the direction of our goals. And so just trying to navigate all of that better. So First Form is a company that I do get the opportunity to work with today and work with coaching people on their nutrition habits and so on with them. So that's kind of a cool a cool thing I get to do on the side as well. Yeah, I feel like you go back to talking about hunger and eating and nutrition feels like that's probably a huge reason as to why you are bubbly throughout your day because yeah. you are what you eat, you are what you surround yourself with and whatnot. Yeah, nutrition just is, it's so, oh my gosh. And, and I'm certainly, yet again, I'm not an expert on it. I'm simply someone who has been spending the last 12 years bumping into those walls. And I was listening to a podcast, someone was, I think his name was Sean Stevenson being interviewed by Jay Shetty, where he was just speaking from a much more clinical perspective about the impact that your diet has on your quality of life. And even as far as your relationships and what you eat and just your diet, how it's going to impact your ability to handle life, you know, not just from a physical perspective of, can I get up and move? which movement is medicine. And oh my gosh, it's so important. I mean, all of these things work together in a beautiful way if you learn to let them, but even just of internally, chemically, how it impacts your ability to have meaningful connections with other people. is just really, like I said, his was clinical and his was <laughs> eloquent and mine's probably not. But yeah, nutrition is such a big part of what has impacted my quality of life today. And I think it's so cool to look at nutrition and just know that we evolve and we change and each human is different. And so your perfect nutrition isn't going to look like my perfect nutrition. And mine today versus a year from now is going to look slightly different, but that's okay. I'm excited for it to continue to change and improve. It's gotten so much better over the last 12 years. Imagine where it will be 12 years from now. Like I can't wait. Agreed. I, uh, based off of the scientific aspect that you talked about, I think the gut is where we end up producing a great amount of serotonin. Yeah. So putting the gut health in check probably regulates how you go about your day-to-day -day just feeling that like you mentioned, the chemicals that are being produced. So yep. I wholeheartedly agree. And I, that's something that I'm passionate about talking with my family too. Like as long as you try and just get those checks in place, I know it's a difficult thing to start and it's a process. Yeah. It is going to regulate how your day's moving forward. Yeah. Uh, so it's inspiring the fact that you've chosen that to be one of the platforms to just specifically train on first form. Yeah. And I think too, with, with nutrition, with movement, with mental health, with anything, with the substance use, with any of these things, recognizing that 
we're all human and we're all imperfect and we're all always, I mean, I know I already touched on that, but I think too, also just telling whoever's listening, like you're so capable and I mean it like you can wake up and decide that the actions that you take today are different than the actions that you took yesterday. And only you can make that decision and you can make that decision at any time. And then you can give yourself grace whenever you fall off here or there or something doesn't go perfectly because that's just how that's going to go. But every day is a new opportunity to be the version of yourself that you want to be that day, one action at a time. And you are so capable. The adversity that I get to hear people walk through and overcome is just so inspiring. And so when I think about anyone who's going to be listening to this and wherever you're at in life, and if it is that you are currently in a position where you are morbidly obese, I want you to know that you can overcome that obstacle and you can lose weight and you can get in shape and you can be that version of yourself that you never saw. Like I just never would have thought I'd get to be the person I get to be today. And I'm so excited to continue to grow and evolve. And you can be a version of yourself that you never knew you could be. It wasn't until 2020, whenever someone in the gym I had been attending for over four years simply said, why do you think you can't be good at this? Like, why do you just say like, you'll never do this or you'll never do? Because for years I just said, I'll, I'll never be that person. I'll never be able to do that skill. I'll never, I'll never, because I wasn't an athlete growing up and they were athletes. Something switched and I decided, why not? And guess what? I can do those things now. And I still get to grow there in that space too. And I still have so many things to learn and improve on. But today I know I'm an athlete. That took a long time to get there, but you can too. Awesome. Well, Claire, <laughs> this uh, whole episode, being able to talk to you and learn more about you was incredible. I enjoyed it. And I feel like now I'm closer. Yeah. And I'm excited for more of the conversations that you're going to bring all these other people on and for, uh, conversations with Claire to take off. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you agreeing to sit down with me and do this. And I think that you are so good at this. And so not only Yash and I got, should we like tell them how we got connected at all? Or <laughs> no, it's just, it was cool. I, I was at an event for some fitness trainers doing a group event and his business partner was there taking photos. And I got into a conversation with him, Brian, who is working with me on the YouTube channel and is doing an amazing job. So then we just kind of got to talking about life. And next thing you know, we're working on content strategy stuff. And then Yash works with Brian and he's more on the podcast side of things. And so Brian and I are sitting down talking about YouTube and Brian goes, you really need to do a podcast. I'm like, I'd love to. And so anyway, just how we all kind of came together. And it's been so great to get you guys brought in on this because a big, big thing for me with this content creation stuff has been, I want to be working with people who like are into the mission. And you guys like totally are. And then you challenge me to think about things differently. And so anyway, I'm super excited and just thank you for being here and being a part of it. Thank you. Yeah. Josh is pretty cool, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah.